Well, praise the Lord, everyone. You know, the, um, the Lord reminded me of how I'm entering to my 30th year as a Christian. 30 years. And I remember all the battles. I remember all the struggles. I remember all the tears, all the prayers, the peaks and the valleys. But you know something? I wouldn't trade it for the world. It reminds me of a scripture in uh, Psalm 34, verse 8, where it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When I think about that, I think about one of my favorite dishes. I love Portuguese cooking. And one of my favorite Portuguese dish is bacalhau. Uh, you know what that is, right? Bacalhau. And that's just that's codfish with some taters and some onions and some black olives and, uh, and some olive oil. And some people love to put their... Uh, some uh, hard-boiled eggs and stuff. And my mother-in-law used to make a heck of a, heck of a dish. But because of her advanced age, she doesn't make it as often as she used to. So she makes it like once a year. But I found a place that makes bacalhau the way I like it. And you know, when you, when you get a taste of something, and it tastes good, you want to go back for more. Because... Just one taste is not enough. So you want to keep going back until you can't get enough of it. And in my 30 years of serving God, when I got a taste of God, I loved it so much that I kept going back for more. And I found that just a taste is what's not enough. I needed to taste more of God. And I continue to taste and continue to taste until I just can't get enough of Him. And you know, there's so much more of God to taste there's so much more of God to know that I'm looking forward to another 30 years and plus years of getting to know more of God and getting to a taste of what He is and who He is. And that is really exciting to me because God is a good God. And I think back of all the things that I've been through and how He's got me through. And you know, one of the things about praising God, you know, one of the things, praising God is reciting something that God had done in your life over and over and over again. And you know why God wants us to do that? Because he wants us to remind, it's sort of like a reminder of how faithful God has been over the years. And how he has a perfect track record of faithfulness of everything he's done in our lives. And so that's why it's so important to praise him and remind him of all the, of his goodness and, and, and his grace that he's shown us over the years. And I just thank so God, I mean I thank God so much for what he's done in my life and I just can't thank him enough. And I'll tell you, he tastes better than bacalhau. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, tonight I want to talk to you about uh, a very important subject. I want to teach you how to live a meaningful and effective life. How do we do that? How do we make me- or bring meaning to our lives? How do we make our lives effective? Well, it's very simple. Because it's all throughout the Bible. But to live a more meaningful and effective life is to live life to glorify God. And I want you to, if you have your Bibles with you, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And while you're there, we're going to pray. When you get there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you tonight for all that you're about to do, Lord God. Father, I yield myself to you tonight and ask that you speak through me your words of life, your words of wisdom. Father, without you, I can do nothing. And so, Father, I rely upon you, upon your spirit, Father God, to articulate your words through my lips. Father, that you use this earthen vessel, Father God, to pour out your glory and your power upon your people tonight. Father, I ask for your direction, Father God, as you direct me to speak into these people's lives, Father God. These are your people. You know exactly what they need to hear. You know exactly what they need to know. And so, Father, I rely upon you to have your way tonight. Holy Spirit, move mightily, Lord God, in our, in our, in our behalf. Let yourself be evident and make yourself known here tonight. And Father, we thank you so much for filling this place with your glory and with your presence. And with your presence is there's power. And Lord, for this, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Three things that I want to accomplish here tonight. And that is to understand what it means to glorify God. Why we must glorify God. And how we're to glorify God. And if you're at first... Corinthians chapter 10. Let me just give you a little background. Paul was simply, uh, he was talking about uh, some issue that was going on in the church about meat being offered to idols. And there was some question about whether they should eat it or not. And this is something that Paul addressed in chapter 8. And then he brings it up again here in chapter 10. And uh, what, what Paul was basically saying was this. Paul was a man who lived free in the spirit of God. He was not bound by laws and he believed that everything that come from God was, was good. He believes that all things that come from God was to enjoy. And so having to sit down and eat meat that was offered to idols, not a problem with him. But he knew that there were other believers in the church that still was a little sensitive and still had some issues. And so Paul was simply saying is that if there are some people who, uh, who still believe that eating meat that is offered to idol was, uh, was blasphemy and was, was not right. Paul understood and was sensitive to their needs because here's the thing about Paul. He did not want to be a stumbling block to the believers. He didn't want to do anything to violate their conscience and he did not do, want to do anything to cause them to fall because of what he's done. So therefore, he didn't want to exercise his freedom to cause someone to stumble. So what he did was he denied his freedom or his right to eat meat for the sake of his brother. In chapter 8, he says, therefore, in verse 13, he says, therefore, if, I, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brothers to fall. Now, what he did was sacrifice his rights. How many of you have ever experienced that? Where you put aside your, your freedom, your rights, for the sake of another. And this is what Paul was talking about. And so, as he was mentioning that and talking about this, it led to this verse here in verse 31. He said, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, notice that he didn't just limit it to eating and drinking. But he says, in whatever you do. So he opened up the door for whatever it is you do, 
He said, do all for the glory of God. That means if you're a, a Christian father or a Christian husband, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. If you're a Christian wife or Christian mother, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. If you're a Christian teenager or a Christian single person, do all for the glory of God. Whatever it is you do, all for the glory of God. But what does that mean? What does it mean to glorify God? Well, it's very simple. Without going into all the Hebrew translations and all this, it basically is this. It's about letting God, letting the people know who God is by how you walk, how you talk, and how you think. It's your lifestyle. What does your lifestyle say that sort of reflects who God is? It's almost like saying, it's like showing off, showing God off to the world. It's making him bigger than who he, than who you are or who the world is. It's taking God and, and place him at a, such a high value in your life. You know, many of you have children. And how many of you have ever heard your children brag about you? You know, maybe you did something good for them. Maybe you t- uh, bought them a bike for their birthday or something like that or and then they go to their friends and say, hey, guess what dad did? Guess what he bought me? Or guess what my mom bought me? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Perhaps maybe when you were kids, you used to do that. When your dad did something wonderful and you went to your friends and you started bragging about your parents. And yeah, <clears throat> What is he doing? He's boasting in his parents. He's boasting about you. And so that's what it means to glorify God. You're boasting in the Lord. You're telling people who God is and how wonderful he is and what he's done for you. You're showing him off is what you're doing. And here's the wonderful thing about this. Let's say your, 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 your son or your daughter, they, they got together with their friends and they started bragging about you and all the things that you've done. You, you took them to Disney World for their birthday and you had a great time and you let them ride all the rides and they're coming back and bragging about you. One of the greatest thing about this is that what happens is that when the friend listens to all this stuff, they go home and start bragging to their parents about you. For a child to have that much of an impression on their friend, to cause them to want to go home and brag, look what, look what so-and-so's mom did, look what so-and-so's dad did. You know that your child had a, a strong impression on them. And see, that's what it means to glorify God. And so when you're glorifying God, you're boasting about all that he's done. And when it affects someone's life, they go back and tell somebody else. That's how I got saved. I, I think I shared the story with you where uh, there's a couple of friends of mine that I grew up with. One of them was a, was a backslidden Christian. And the other one was, uh, well, he wasn't Christian at all. And every time we got together and party together, we'd have this conversation about God. And, um, you know, I had some church in me, so I had a little understanding. But my friend, who never didn't know God, although he believed in God, but he didn't have a relationship, never went to church. As a matter of fact, his God was his marijuana plants, his Santana albums, and his boxing. That's it. And every time we got into a conversation, you, he always made some sort of sarcastic remark. But then one day, maybe like uh, we, we sort of parted ways for about a year and a half. And then one day I ran into them. And then my friend who was a backslidden Christian rolled up the window and said, Hey, Mike, guess what? We're back in church. We're serving God and everything else, my family and everything else. And he said, You know who else? And he was talking about my other friend who happened to be sitting in the back seat. 
And he rolled down his window. Now, normally when he rolled down his window in the back seat, a, a, a burst of smoke comes out of the window. And I'm not talking about the Shekinah glory either. But nothing came out of that window. But when I looked at his face, I knew that something was different about him. And then when he started talking, I said, this is not the same person I know. Because the words that were coming out of his mouth was what God has done in his life. He was boasting in what God has done. And I could not believe what I was seeing. And I got to tell you this. When I saw that, of course, I didn't understand it then. But what I was witnessing was the very glory of God in this person's life. The glory of God just shone in this person's face. And he began to boast and glorify God. Just letting me know what God has done in his life. And I knew from that moment on, I was convinced that God was real. I was convinced that if God can do that for him, God can do it for me. What I witnessed was the transforming power of God in this person's life. And I needed that because it came at a time where I was searching and looking for God or looking for something, but I didn't have the answers until I saw him. And I knew when I look at that person, I said, my goodness, he was the last person I thought would ever talk about God or even serve God. But as he began to talk, the words that was coming out of his mouth was praising God. And I knew God was real. And you see, that's what it means to glorify God. When you make him real in your life, when you make him important in your life, when he becomes more important than anything else in life, above everything else, that's when you know you're glorifying him. That's when you know you're making him important and that he's real. And to live an effective life, the world needs to know that God is real. The Bible says that it is God's desire that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. But he chose us as his vessels to shine forth his glory so that the world may know that he's God. So, in this verse, Paul was saying that whatever you do, some people, especially Christians, well, mostly Christians, They think that that God sort of sleeps or takes a nap. And while he's taking a nap, they sort of do whatever it is they want to do. Come on, I'm just being real here. But God does not sleep, nor does he slumber. And he watches everything we do. And you have to understand something. If we claim to be Christians, if we claim to be believers... Understand that God is with us wherever we go. Amen. And so whatever we do, whatever we say, however we think, has to glorify God. It has to bring some sort of recognition or some sort of attention that God is God. Why are you serving God? People need to see why. There's something that people want, that people need to see in us To let them know that God is God. Amen. So. I want to give you a couple of examples in the Bible. Jesus himself lived his life glorifying God. Go with me to John chapter 17. If you remember. Jesus was praying. And the whole chapter was on on the prayer of Jesus. Just before he gave his life 
on the cross. And in his prayer, he talked about how he glorified God. John chapter 17. And in verse 4 it says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest to me. Look at verse 6. I have manifested your name. That is, I have revealed your very self, your real self, to the people whom you have given me out of the world. So what Jesus was saying was that he glorified God by doing everything that God told him to do. And he completed the work that he was sent to do. When Jesus preached the word of God and people were in awe and were amazed at the authority that he spoke, he always attributed to God. He said, the words that I speak are not mine, but it's my father's words. When he went out and did miracles and people were in awe and was amazed at the great miracles and power that he demonstrated, he says, the works that I do are not mine, but it's the father that does the work. So everything Jesus did always pointed to God. He never took any credit for anything he did. He had, he had a focus. He knew why he was there and he did it and he did it to glorify God. And when he left, people knew that God was God. I want to give you another example. Go with me to Philippians chapter 1. Paul knew something about living to glorify God. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, I'm going to read that from the Amplified Version. This is in keeping with my own eager desire and persistent expectation and hope. That I shall not disgrace myself nor be put to shame in anything. But that with the utmost freedom of speech and unfailing courage, now as always heretofore... Christ the Messiah will be magnified and get glory and praise in this body of mine and be boldly exalted in my person, whether through life or through death. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison and he didn't know what his future was going to hold for him. He didn't know if he was going to be in prison for the rest of his life. He didn't know if he was going to be executed. He didn't know if he was even going to be released. But he was determined that whatever happens, whether he died or whether he lived, he was going to glorify God in his body. He was going to exalt and magnify him in whatever situation he was in. This was a man that was determined to bring glory and honor to God in everything he does. And, you know, we have to have that attitude. Now, here Paul was in prison facing all kinds of persecution. What are our excuses? I mean, we've never faced a life, well, I'm going to say most of us probably not faced a life of death situation. But can you honestly say that whether you live or die, you're going to be determined to bring glory and honor to God? How about when you're faced in a situation, and in my 30 years of serving God, I faced several situations, and, and there were times I tried to glorify God. It's not always easy. But you know what really glorifies God? That you may go through certain struggles in your life. You may go through some battles. You may have some peaks and valleys. You may have some ups and some downs. But if you stay consistent, 
and stay steady and keep focused and continue to move forward, you're glorifying God. I remember when I was struggling, I was going through a tremendous trial and uh, to the point where I was in tears and crying out to God. I said, Lord, please stop this, Lord. Change this situation. And I was sharing it with a cousin of mine. We were very close and he wasn't even saved. But I had to talk to somebody. I've already talked to all of my Christian friends and I burnt out the ears. But it was a time when we were just together. We were just talking. I just kept sharing with him. And I remember saying, but you know what? I'm still going to keep serving God. Something just simple as that. And as I was telling him that, I noticed that he was, he was getting emotional and he was teary-eyed. And, and he said something that, you know, I, that can, you know it, it just sort of made me realize how important our life is and how effective our life can be when it comes to someone else. And he said something, he said, man, bro, I don't know anybody that can go what you went through or what you're going through. And still be serving God. And still say that you're going to continue to walk in love. And, and you know that. I, I probably needed to hear that. Because at the time I wasn't realizing that's what I was doing. All I knew is that I love God. I tasted something that I love. And I want to continue. But it was very difficult because of the trial and the struggles I was going through. Called growing in grace. But it affected him. Because several years later he got saved. And is serving God today. And so people are watching you. The world is watching you. The world get their notion of who God is, their idea, their perception, their understanding of who God is by a people who claim to be a member of God's family. Who do you think that is? People will read you more than they read the Bible. Because they're watching you. Amen. Go with me to First Peter chapter 1. Uh, chapter 2. We understand what it is to glorify God. The question is, why must we glorify God? Well, one of the reasons why we must glorify God is because we were created for that purpose. In Isaiah 43, verse 6, it says, I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, whom I have formed and who I have made. In Psalm 86 verse 9, of course, you don't have to turn to that. All nations whom you have made shall come and fall down before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. So one, one reason why we must glorify God is because we were created to do so. That's our sole purpose. St. Augustine, one of the great church fathers during the 5th century, said that the greatest good of man is to glorify God. So that is our purpose. Another reason why we must glorify God is to be effective in people's lives. If you're in 1 Peter, verse 12 says, Having your conversations 
honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now that word conversation implies two things, behavior and conduct. So we're talking about your lifestyle. Now there are two different types of conversation. There's the conversation that we do with our lips. And there's a conversation that we do with our lives. Think that. That God sort of sleeps or takes a nap. And while he's taking a nap, they sort of do whatever it is they want to do. Come on, I'm just being real here. But God does not sleep, nor does he slumber. And he watches everything we do. And you have to understand something. If we claim to be Christians, if we claim to be believers, understand that God is with us wherever we go. Amen. And so whatever we do, whatever we say, however we think, has to glorify God. It has to bring some sort of recognition or some sort of attention that God is God. Why are you serving God? People need to see why. There's something that people want, that people need to see in us to let them know that God is God. Amen. So, I want you to give you a couple of examples in the Bible. Jesus himself lived his life glorifying God. Go with me to John chapter 17. If you remember, Jesus was praying and the whole chapter was on, pray, on the prayer of Jesus just before he gave his life on the cross. And in his prayer, he talked about how he glorified God. John chapter 17. And in verse 4, it says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest to me. Look at verse 6. I have manifested your name, that is, I have revealed your very self, your real self, to the people whom you have given me out of the world. So what Jesus was saying was that he glorified God by doing everything that God told him to do. And he completed the work that he was sent to do. When Jesus preached the word of God and people were in awe and were amazed at the authority that he spoke, he always attributed to God. He said, the words that I speak are not mine, but it's my father's words. When he went out and did miracles and people were in awe and was amazed at the great miracles and power that he demonstrated, he says, the works that I do are not mine, but it's the father that does the work. So everything Jesus did always Pointed to God. He never took any credit for anything he did. He had, he had a focus. He knew why he was there. And he did it. And he did it to glorify God. And when he left, people knew that God was God. I want to give you another example. Go with me to Philippians chapter 1. Paul knew something about living to glorify God. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, I'm going to read that from the Amplified Version. This 
is in keeping with my own eager desire and persistent expectation and hope that I shall not disgrace myself nor be put to shame in anything, but that with the utmost freedom of speech and unfailing courage, now as always heretofore, Christ the Messiah will be magnified and get glory and praise in this body of mine and be boldly exalted in my person, whether through life or through death. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison and he didn't know what his future was going to hold for him. He didn't know if he was going to be in prison for the rest of his life. He didn't know if he was going to be executed. He didn't know if he was even going to be released. But he was determined that whatever happens, whether he died or whether he lived, he was going to glorify God in his body. He was going to exalt and magnify him in whatever situation he was in. This was a man that was determined to bring glory and honor to God in everything he does. And, you know, we have to have that attitude. Now, here Paul was in prison facing all kinds of persecution. What are our excuses? I mean, we've never faced a life. Well, I'm going to say most of us probably not faced a life of that situation. But can you honestly say that whether you live or die, you're going to be determined to bring glory and honor to God? How about when you're faced in a situation and in my 30 years of serving God, I faced several situations and, and there were times I tried to glorify God. It's not always easy. But you know what really glorifies God? That you may go through certain struggles in your life. You may go through some battles. You may have some peaks and valleys. You may have some ups and some downs. But if you stay consistent and stay steady and keep focused and continue to move forward, you're glorifying God. I remember when I was struggling, I was going through a tremendous trial. And uh, to the point where I was in tears and crying out to God. I said, Lord, please stop this, Lord. Change this situation. And I was sharing it with a cousin of mine. We were very close and he wasn't even saved. But I had to talk to somebody. I've already talked to all of my Christian friends and I burnt out the ears. But it was a time when we were just together. We were just talking. I just kept sharing with him. And I remember saying, but you know what? I'm still going to keep serving God. Something just simple as that. And as I was telling him that, I noticed that he was, he was getting emotional. and He was teary-eyed. And, and he said something that, you know, I that can, you know... It it just sort of made me realize how important our life is and how effective our life can be when it comes to someone else. And he said something. He said, man, bro, I don't know anybody that can go what you went through or what you're going through and still be serving God and still say that you're going to continue to walk in love. You know, that I, I probably needed to hear that. Because at the time I wasn't realizing that's what I was doing. All I knew is that I love God. I tasted something that I love and I want to continue. But it was very difficult because of the trial and the struggles I was going through called growing in grace. But it affected him because several years later he got saved and is serving God today. And so people are watching you. The world is watching you. The world get their notion of who God is, their idea, their perception, their understanding of who God is by a people who claim 
to be a member of God's family. Who do you think that is? People will read you more than they read the Bible. Because they're watching you. Amen. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, chapter 2. We understand what it is to glorify God. The question is, why must we glorify God? Well, one of the reasons why we must glorify God is because we were created for that purpose. In Isaiah 43, verse 6, it says, I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, whom I have formed and who I have made. In Psalm 86, verse 9, of course, you don't have to turn to that. All nations whom you have made shall come and fall down before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. So one, one reason why we must glorify God is because we were created to do so. That's our sole purpose. St. Augustine, one of the great church fathers during the 5th century, said that the greatest good of man is to glorify God. So that is our purpose. Another reason why we must glorify God is to be effective in people's lives. If you're in 1 Peter, verse 12 says, Having your conversations honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now that word conversation implies two things, behavior and conduct. So we're talking about your lifestyle. Now there are two different types of conversation. There's a conversation that we do with our lips. And there's a conversation that we do with our lives. And when Peter was talking, he, he wasn't talking about our talk. He was talking about our walk, about our lifestyle. And so what Peter is saying is this, having your conversation honest, the word honest means beautiful or uh, a value. So that even though people will still talk evil about you, that they by your good works, and you know that good works is a product of good living. When you live right, you do right. And it says, by your good works, which they will behold. Now, that's an interesting word. The word behold means to be an eyewitness or to inspect closely. As I said before, the world have a view of Christianity based on what they see in us. And so he says, and they will behold, and so that they may glorify God. So when they see your good works, even though they, they ridicule you, make fun of you, after a while, as they watch you closely, they realize that this person is different. This person is not like everybody else. And sooner or later, that person's, gonna, that person's heart's going to turn and change. And before you know it, he's going to glorify God. Let me give you an example. Go to Daniel chapter 3. 
You all know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Very popular, very famous, very well-known story. And the story goes that King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, built this huge golden image. And he decreed by law that everyone must bow down to this golden image. So when the trumpets blasted and the music played, and then the image came, everyone had to bow down. The only ones that did not bow down was those three young Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And of course, this angered the king. And so he called these three young men to him and gave him one more opportunity to bow down before this golden image. Otherwise, they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. This is what they said in verse 17. If it be so, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego speaking. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, of course, this angered the king so much that he turned up the heat, threw them inside, and that was it. Until they looked down and said, wait a minute. Didn't we just throw three people in there? But there are four. And they're walking around instead of writhing in pain and screaming and hollering, And so he was curious and said, you know what? Come on out. I need to find out what this is about. This is what I want you to see. In verse 27. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was it hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. And in verse 29, having seen and witnessed this, He said, therefore, I make a decree. In other words, he's going to make another law. That every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and so forth and so on. One of the ways that we can glorify God is when we trust in the Lord, even in the midst of circumstances. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted God so much that even though it meant they were being thrown into the fire, they believed that the God that they served was much greater than the king and much greater than those fire. And because their trust in God glorified him, because after they got thrown into the fire, well, you know what happened? They come out of the fire, not burnt, but perfectly whole. And this changed the king who didn't know this God Until he witnessed the glory of God. Causing him to glorify God whom he didn't know. And you see, this is what what I love about God. That's why it's so important that we must glorify God in everything that we do in our lives. Because it's going to affect someone else. That's how it affected me. That's how I got saved. When I saw the glory of God in this person's life. And I knew that if God can do that for him, 
I know he can do it for me. And you know, God is faithful because he has changed my life. But when you walk around, wherever you may be, whether in your job, wherever it is, you, you, you boast in the Lord. You're walking and, you, and, and, and you're showing forth God's glory just by the way you talk, by the way you walk, by the way you think. Because you know, as Christians, we're called to be different. But it's hard to be different. And it's not popular to be different. Nevertheless, we are required to be different. And we're called to glorify him in all that we do. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, you are the light of this world. Jesus called us to be a light. He said, a city upon a hill that cannot be hid. And he says, a light will not be put under a bushel, but placed on a lampstand so that all can see. Two things I notice in this verse. God wants everyone to see us. And he doesn't want us to hide. As believers, we cannot afford to hide. You know, it's a sad thing. When we have believers, if you mix them up with the rest of the world, it'd be very hard to tell them apart. Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 2. And we don't have time to get into that. But he addressed an issue in the church where you have these believers, these Jews, who thought they were the cream of the crop. Who thought they were better than everyone else. Who thought that they had a right to tell people what to do and how to live. How to straighten their lives. They knew God. They knew the will of God. They knew God's expectation of them. The only problem is that they were inconsistent in their walk. They were expecting people to live a certain standard that they would not live by. The standard that they expected others to live by, they were not holy to it. And so Paul addressed that. And he says, those of you who go around teaching and acting like you're a guide to the blind. He said, do you, if, when you go around teaching, thou shalt not steal. Do you steal? He said, how about if you go around teaching, thou shalt not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? But here's the thing. In verse 24, sobering statement that he made. He quoted out of Ezekiel. And he said, but it is because of you that the name of God is blasphemed. By their actions, by their lifestyle, they were misrepresenting God. And that's why I'm saying that the world, the way they know God is through us. Good or bad. And it's very, we have to be very careful how we walk. Because again, going back to 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, to make, let your conversation be honest, where? Among the Gentiles, among the unsaved world. So we're called to be a light in this unsaved world or in the midst of this darkness. To shine in bright, uh, in, in complete brightness because what we're doing, we're, we're reflecting God. The question I have is, what is God, what does people see in you? What do people see when they look at you? Think about that. It's awfully quiet in here. But it's a question you need to ask yourself. The world needs to know that there's a God who's merciful, who's gracious. And we can let them know that through our lives. 
You know, if I believe in something, I'm going to stand up for what I believe. No one can shake me. No one can, can, can change my mind. This is what I believe. And I've been doing that for 30 years in my Christian life. But I remain consistent as best that I can. I do the best. Of course, I'm not perfect. You know, there have been some up and downs in my Christian walk. But I've not quit. I've not given up. I've not looked back. There's no reason for me to look back. But I'm looking forward. And I pray that my consistent life, as best that I can be, will bring honor and glory to God. So that when someone watches me, they will be affected in a positive way. And when they see me, they're going to want to serve God too. That is my prayer. And I want to be as effective as I can because I want to bring people, as many people as I can, to the kingdom of God. And when I do that by glorifying His name so that whatever I do, I attribute all to God's glory. I'm nothing without Him. But in this earthen vessel, there's something that the world needs to see. And that's the glory and, and the essence of God in our lives. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. If you can just close your eyes right now, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you, Father God, for your goodness and mercy. We thank you, Father God, for glorifying your name. We thank you, Father, that in all things, you have the glory and the praise. We thank you, Father, as we honor you tonight for who you are. We recognize you, Father, as the creator of heaven and earth. We thank you, Father, God, for your great and mighty power. You're an all-knowing God who knows all things. You're an all-powerful God, an all-present God. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, God, that... Lies have been touched. Hearts have been opened. Eyes have been opened. Upon your word tonight. Father, I pray that these words will go forth and seep into their hearts like a seed and may be planted on good ground here tonight, Father God, so that it may take root and bear much fruit in their lives. Father, I pray that everyone that is here tonight will make it a point and be determined to do everything that will bring glory and honor to you. Lord, I pray for your grace and your mercy to help us to live a life that is pleasing to you in all things. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that by our life, by bringing glory and honor to your name, many others will follow. Father, we thank you tonight for all that is said and done in Jesus' name.